0: But I wanna bring a message tonight, if God would enable me on uh, the liberty of grace or standing fast in the liberty of grace, standing fast in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, men by nature, men loves to have someone else do their thinking for them, make their decisions for them. And that's why most men are followers and not leaders men like to have someone do the thinking for them in the religion especially in the religion they want rules they want regulations they want codes to go by they want to be told how they can dress they want to be told how they can wear their hair the length of it the fashion of it what jewelry they can wear and how much how much makeup you can wear not wear like to have eating codes. Uh, Catholics for years, you know, held this whole nation in bondage. You had to eat fish on Friday, even if you wasn't a Catholic in the school. People like to have eating codes. Can't eat this pork, can't eat that, and this, that, and the other. And they like to have codes concerning their pleasure, what they can enjoy doing and what they can't enjoy doing, where you can go and where you can't go, what picture shows you allowed to see and what ones you're not allowed to see. And Down home, and I guess it's still that way for years. There are certain stores that all the churches, if you was a member of their church you couldn't go to because they sold beer in them. And so you had places if you didn't if you if they sold beer, you just it's midnight and you was out of milk and they sold beer, you just the babies out of milk, they just stayed out of milk or you got in trouble and you got back to church if anybody saw you there. But they like rules for their home. They like rules laid down for their home How they're to conduct themselves in their home The order set in the home They like rules laid down for their children Men like to have rules laid down for their wives Rules how they're to conduct themselves on the job and in public They want to be told where they can go and where they can't go Men by nature are that way They really are You see men love the letter of the law they like to see something put up on a wall or something put on paper. This is what we are. I remember years ago preaching in Goodlessville, Tennessee at a preacher's name, Bobby Flat was his name. Of course he was round, he wasn't flat. He's a big round fella. And the first time I went there, they had right up, right up by the pulpit, you stand and preach, you look over to your right. And he had a great big poster board up there with about 12 or 14 rules and big black block letters how you could dress, the makeup, and all kinds of things, where you could go and where you couldn't go. And that was the meanest bunch of people I ever been around. They had 1,500 church members and had 15 people in the service. I said, where are they all at? And said, they're all backslid. Why, of course, they couldn't keep the rules. (laughs) They couldn't keep the rules. They just couldn't keep them. But men love the letter, but they ignore the spirit. It's like the Pharisees. When our Lord, in the Sermon on the Mount... As he began to preach, he said, you've heard it said. The Pharisees said, your elders and your older people and the doctors of the law and the scribes and Pharisees said, you shall not. But I say unto you. And our Lord said that seven times in seven different things. You see, the Pharisees' whole religious hope was based upon negatives. They could say, I have never. I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't let my wife act this way or go there or do this other thing. My children have to do this. My children have to do that. My daughter never put on, I was so legalistic. My daughter never put on a pair of slacks till she was in the 10th grade. Never had a television for years and years. Because under bondage to this business of the letter. And I'd drive by somebody's house and I'd see a antenna sticking up. I'd, I'd say, boy, they, they sure are far off from God, ain't they? Just buy out that. Love the letter, Jack. Love the letter. And when men have a problem, when men have a problem, they like to be able to look at a list. They run across the problem in the home, in their marriage, with their children, in the church, on the job, or whatever. They want to be able to look at a list and go down the list and say, oh, here's the answer. I've got it right here. I know what to do now. And a man, as long as he conforms to his rules and codes, he feels pretty good. He can feel pretty good about it. But everything about it's negative. I don't, I don't, I don't. It's like a little boy, you know, he went to school in his first year of school, and that teacher had them all stand up and tell them their names. And this little boy stood up and said, what's your name, son? He said, Jimmy Don't. What do you mean, Jimmy Don't? He said, well, that's what I've been told all my life. Jimmy Don't. Jimmy Don't. And that's the way it is in religion. It's don't do this and don't do that. And that's all people know. But let me warn you. Let me exhort you by the grace of God to guard yourself. Guard yourself against the legal spirit. It deadens souls. It kills churches. It destroys friendships. And causes people to dread see you coming. It really does. But look here what the apostle said in chapter 5 and verse 1 of Galatians. He said stand fast. Therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And beloved this stand fast means to highly esteem. It means to maintain. It means to defend. So the apostles saying highly esteem this liberty that Christ has made you free with. Highly maintain, maintain this liberty of Christ to set you free. Defend this liberty. Defend this liberty that you have in Christ from rules and laws and codes. Defend this grace of God and highly esteem it and maintain it. Defend this gospel of the grace of God that set you free from bondage and legalism and rules and ordinances. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ has set us free. Our Lord says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. And whom the Son hath set free, he's free indeed. Not because some preacher told him, because Christ has set him free. And our Lord has set us free from sin. Look with me in Romans 6. He set us free from sin. Men up home, you know, or down home, may say, they say you need to uh, live above sin and crucify yourself daily. I can't, beloved. I've already been crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've done died to sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. And look here, our Lord has set us free from sin. He set us free from the guilt of it. He set us free from its dominion. Sin doesn't reign over a child of God that's been set free by the grace of God and the blood and righteousness of Christ. He's set free from the damning power of it. I mean, sin's not going to damn the child of God. There's therefore now, presently, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And if you read that tomorrow, it's going to say there's now no condemnation. And you read that every day of your life, and every time you read it, it's going to say now there's no condemnation. And look here in verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are to whom you do obey. If you obey sin unto death, you're the servant of sin. If you obey obedience, the gospel, you're obedient of the gospel, you're obedient of the the message of the grace of God. It's obedience unto righteousness. The imputed righteousness of our Lord Jesus put on our account. And Paul said, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You slaves to sin, sold to sin, but you have obeyed from the heart. The gospel goes to the heart. It don't deal with the letter." It gets past the flesh. It goes even past the mind. It goes to the heart. It goes where a man's emotions are and his ego and his personality. And you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, the truth, as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from what? Sin, S-I-N, free from it. Free from its guilt, its dominion, and its damning power. And we've become the servants of righteousness. And our Lord not only freed us from sin, but he's freed us from the ceremonial law. He's freed us from circumcision. He's freed us from sacrifices and feast days and Sabbath days and rituals and coming to the front. He's freed us from all of that. As scripture says that our Lord took Every carnal ordinance, everything that was against us, everything that was contrary to us, he took it out of the way. He nailed it to his cross. He made a show openly over everything that was against us. Every ritual, every rite, every ceremony, anything that a person would have to do, any sacrifice that you'd have to offer or setting aside a holy day. I remember meeting some preachers who were supposed to be grace preachers here a few years ago. And they were at the house and we were in a meeting and they was talking about Holy Week. And next week or two is going to be Holy Week. And they had to do certain things in this Holy Week. And I said, what are you talking about, Holy Week? And it was Easter. And they called it Holy Week. And they were going to feast on certain days and do it out on other days. Now, beloved, I'm not going to do that. I don't see it how it honors God. How can it honor our Lord Jesus Christ to esteem one day above another day? Every day is the Lord's day. And beloved, we've gathered to worship corporately and collectively as the body of Christ on Sundays and Sunday night and Wednesday night and when we have special meetings. But a child of God worships every day. I mean, his heart's a heart of worship. His mind is fixed on his master. We don't have to set aside a day and say this is a day that I'm going to drop everything else and worship God. If you have to wait till Sunday to worship God, you've done missed it. I mean, our worship's every day. I mean, when I get up, it's the Lord's day. When I go to bed, it's the end of that day. And I give thanks to God for it. And he set us free from ceremonies. And he set us free from the moral law. Now listen to me. Our Lord has set us free. And we got to highly esteem this liberty. Maintain this liberty. Defend this liberty. He set us free from the moral law as a covenant of works. Yes, he has. He set us free from its curse. He set us free from its condemnation. But he's not set us free from obedience to it as is taught by our Lord himself. Love thy Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of now trying to obey the letter of the law, now the law's written in our hearts and in our very spirits. And now, beloved, it's not so much of what we do outwardly. We're worried more about our attitudes and our motives which God sees. Because he set us free from this moral law as a covenant. Look in Romans 10. He set us free from it. I'm not going to go back under it. People can, you know, men, and they preach, you know, that the law is a rule of life for believers. I challenge anybody, anytime, any place to show me anywhere in the scriptures. Anywhere in the new covenant. Where the laws ever laid down as a rule for a believer to walk by. We have the law, the rule, the law of liberty, the law of love which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have him as our example. But everywhere in the scriptures it talks about that they that are justified by, the, there's no flesh going to be justified by the law in the sight of God. If Christ, if righteousness came by the deeds of the law, If we could establish a righteousness before God by the deeds of the law, then our Lord Jesus Christ's death was in vain. And Paul said, I do not frustrate, I do not make void the grace of God. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go back under the law if my master went under that law and obeyed all of its precepts and died under its awful penalty in my room instead, you think how honored it would be to him to go back under that law and face the law and try to get my acceptance and my righteousness or my performances to give me any merit before God Almighty after he nailed his son to the tree for it? No. No, not me. Look here, our Lord, look what the apostle says in verse 4. For Christ is the end, he's the goal, he's the fulfillment of the law. For what? For righteousness. To who? Everyone that does something? Everyone that comes to the front? Everyone that tries to keep the Ten Commandments? No, to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. He's going to tell us, he said, this is the righteousness that's of the law. If you're going to have a righteousness that's based on law and on doing before God Almighty, he said, this is it. The man which doeth those things, he's going to live by them. Day in and day out, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Huh? So our Lord set us free from the law. And people go wrong, terribly wrong in thinking that conforming to the law is in action. It's in conforming outwardly. But, beloved, in doing or not doing. You see, the law deals. The law is comprehensive. It deals with what leads to the action. That's why our Lord said, you know, if you, they said thou shalt not commit adultery. If you know if you take off with a woman, you've committed adultery. And our Lord said, I say unto you, if you so much as look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Our Lord looks on the heart. God's a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. And men think by an outward conformity to some particular deed or act that they're satisfying God. And God looks past that. He looks on the heart. He looks on the attitude. What caused you to do that? If you're not doing something in order to be accepted of God, you've missed grace. And if you are doing something in order to be accepted of God other than through faith in Christ, you've missed grace. Christ set us free from the law. We're free from it. Huh? A man always thanks ill before he does ill. And God sees the thought before the action. He judges the motive. And in our Lord Jesus Christ we have liberty. We're set free, beloved. Freedom to be baptized. Freedom to confess our Lord Jesus Christ publicly. We have freedom to take the Lord's Supper. When we Take the bread and take the wine and remember his love and his covenant and his blood and his righteousness and his doing and his dying on our behalf. We have in him free access now to the throne of grace. We don't have to have a priest. We don't have to have a preacher. We don't have to have a ceremony. We don't have to come with a sacrifice. We have now because of him through his own death we can come into the very presence of God himself now. We're free from fear of death. We're free from fear of judgment. He set us free. Let me show you something over here in 1 John 4, 17. Look at this with me. I got this from Scott Richardson. You see the believer whom the Lord Jesus Christ has set free. There's several things about him. Look down here in verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, made mature, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now you want to to know how a believer is in this world? How's our Lord Jesus Christ right now? Huh? Ever how he is right now, that's the way we are right now in this world. Ain't that right? And our, our Lord Jesus Christ is not of this world. And a believer whom Christ has set free, he's not of this world. Our Lord has chosen us out of the world. We're not of this world. The world hates the children of God because he's chosen us out of it. And our Lord Jesus is not in the flesh and a believer is not in the flesh. The scripture says the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So therefore they that are in the flesh, they can't please God. But you're no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of God dwell in you. And if any man don't have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So before God Almighty, we're not in the flesh, we're in the Spirit. The Spirit hath baptized us, immersed us, and put us in the body of Christ. And our Lord, as he is, so are we. Our Lord's not under the law. And we're not under the law. He fulfilled the law. He obeyed the law. He suffered his penalty. He done it. Look in Galatians 3.10 with me right quick. I could could quote this, but we need to look at these things. He's not under the law. Our Lord died. He died under sin once. And now that he lives, he lives under God. He's the... He's the end, he's the goal, he's the fulfillment of the law. And look what it says here in Galatians 3.10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone that continueth, not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, beloved, you know, we can't pick and choose out of the law what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. If you start down that road, you've got to do every one of them. And you're cursed if you don't continue in them. You can't start and stop, start and stop. But that no man is justified by the law on the side of God, it's evident. It's clear for anybody to see. The just shall live by what? Faith, not by doing. And the law is not a faith. But the man that doeth, doeth them shall live in them. And our Lord's not under the law, and we're not under the law. He has sent forth the Spirit of His Son. And he has sent forth his son to redeem us out from under the law, sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry, our father, our father. And our Lord's not in his sins. He's not in sin. He died under sin once, but now he lives under God. And a man dies under sin one time. There's no danger of him dying again one, another time. And our Lord Jesus Christ was made a curse for us because our sin was found on him. So a believer is not in the world. He's not of the world this business that he's a Christian but he's a worldly Christian where'd you find that at that's not in there and they say oh you need to get out of the world God's people ain't never been in the world they're not of the world as our Lord's not of the world they say oh your flesh is too we're not in the flesh we're in the spirit God said we was We are led by the Spirit of God. And where does He lead us? He leads us to faith in the Son of God. He leads us to bow and submit and rest and find our only hope in God's blessed Son, in His obedience, in His righteousness. And we're not under the law. We're not under no codes, no rules, no regulations. We're we're not under law, but under grace. Sin won't have dominion over us. in the law, beloved, the law, when you're under it, sin. When you break it, sin. Your conscience bothers you. But we're not under a law. We're under the grace of God. And we're not in our sins. <laughs> and I bless God for that. Well, I'll tell you I do. And oh, listen, let no man, the apostle said back here in Galatians 5, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, let no man entangle you with the yoke of bondage. No man. No man. I don't care who he is. Daughter, we, we esteem and we love one another. But oh, don't let anybody bring you under bondage by a system of works. By a system of deeds to obtain God's favor, to obtain God's smile, to obtain God's blessings or God's approval, the scripture says we are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. And you can't add nothing to completeness. Amen. You can't do it. In Acts 15, here's where the first, first uh, they saw I heard one preacher called a, a first grace conference. And that's what it was, because they come to the conclusion that salvation was altogether the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is the very thing they is arguing over. It's the very thing they is arguing over, law or grace. Are we free in Christ, or are we free in Christ plus? Oh yes, I'm set free in Christ, but... I've got to do this, that, and the other. I've got to walk a certain way. I've got to dress a certain way in order to honor the Lord. I'll tell you something. If God's grace ever works in a man, there's no danger of him. It's like Paul. When he, Paul was smitten on the Damascus Road, and God told Anais, he said, you go over there. said, Saul, he's over on the street called Strait, and you go over there and tell him this, what I'm telling you. And he said, Lord, I've heard he's an evil man. He's a wicked man. In fact, he's persecuting your people. And our Lord told him, he said, Behold, he prayeth. And beloved, when God's grace sets on a man, he don't need nobody to keep him hemmed up. The shepherd is responsible for the sheep. And if he hears the gospel and a preacher is preaching the gospel to him and setting forth his master before him, that's all he needs. You don't have to worry about him killing anybody, stabbing anybody, slapping anybody, lying on anybody, stealing from anybody. You don't have to worry about where they're going to be when it's time to get the saints of God. You don't have to worry about it. The shepherd's going to take care of his sheep. And these preachers, it's all the time laying down rules for church members. No wonder they have nervous breakdowns and ulcers. Yeah, that's all the reason. Huh? Well, you know, you get up and preach Christ to a man and show him that he's the way. Show him that he's the life and show him that he's the truth if he's the sheep of christ he'll say well i'm gonna fall in behind that man that's the fellow i'm gonna follow huh it's kind of like old john bunyan you know he's in his holy war there was a there he was you know when emmanuel conquered the city of mansoul finally took it over and defeated it and conquered the city of mansoul and dethroned diabolus off of the heart and and emmanuel came walking down the boulevard down the avenue of the city of mansoul and he stood so majestic and he stood so august and he was so beautiful in his royal garbs and raiment and his crown on his head and he walked like a glorious and wondrous king. And as the inhabitants of the city of Mansoul saw, saw Emmanuel walking down the street, they saw him and when they walked by, some of them jumped out and they stepped behind him and said, he walked so beautiful, I'm going to walk in his steps and I'm follow him. And that's the way a believer is. And we're going to highly esteem and maintain and defend this liberty we have in Christ. Nobody's going to entangle us again. Look in verse 1 of chapter 15. And certain men which came down from Judea, Acts 15, taught the brethren. Now they're talking to call them brethren and said except you be circumcised and you could take this circumcision to be anything. Now I mean baptism, church membership, like a fellow one time was in his gas station and he found out I was a preacher. And he said, see, preacher said, there, there's proof that I'm saved and pointed to a baptismal certificate on the wall. He said, I'm all right. I'm ready to go. That was his circumcision. Huh? And except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Whew. Boy. That's, you say, that don't sound like much. It's a matter of life and death, what it is. It's a matter of life and death. Now look down verse 7. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, You know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Not hear the word of the law and the doings of the law, but the word of the gospel. And believe, not do. And God which knows the heart's He bore witness to their faith, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between Jew and Gentile, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? We couldn't bear it then. Why can we bear it now? But watch this. But we believe. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ We're going to have to be saved like them Gentiles are Through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ And oh beloved listen Don't let anybody entangle you again Look back over here in Galatians 2 Galatians 2 Or 5 not 2 but chapter 5 and verse 2 And he says behold I Paul say unto you That if you be circumcised Christ should profit you nothing just profits you nothing. And beloved, salvation is all of the Lord Jesus Christ or him and his work will profit us nothing. Now boy, you think of what a statement to make. Salvation's is all together of him and his grace or his work will profit us nothing. His obedience will profit us nothing. His righteousness, his doing, his dying was to satisfy almighty God. That was the first and primary purpose Of our Lord's coming was to satisfy God God had to do something for himself In order to be able to do something for us And that work In which our Lord satisfied His blessed Father Satisfied the justice And holiness and righteousness of God If we seek to be circumcised Or had anything to the work of Christ Then the satisfaction He rendered his Father Will profit us nothing Amen Absolutely nothing. And that soul, now listen to me, that soul who has cast itself entirely on the Lord Jesus Christ for its salvation and its acceptance with God, when it's questioned or when when it's examined, it does not run to any deed, a baptism, a prayer, or an experience, or any merit, or any works, or any decision when it's examined. It's like in a message, when a preacher is preaching a message, and, it, and it's very narrow, and it, and it hymns you up, and, you, and, the, and the gospel comes in power to you. And you begin to wonder, well, do I know the Lord? Do you run to a decision you made? Do you run to the time you were baptized? Do you run to a specific experience, or prayer, or decision? No, that believer who has rested his soul on Christ alone, when he's examined, when he's hemmed up in a corner, oh, he just throws his arms up and said, Christ alone. Oh, Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And if you have to run to a particular experience or deed or some merit in yourself, we've missed it. I mean, when we're examined, we run to Christ. We claim him to be our all in all, Huh? That's the only plea before a holy God and a guilty conscience. I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. And Paul said here in verse 3. He's going to reiterate. He's going to say it again. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised. Every man that's doing something to clean up his flesh. To clean up his act. To make himself acceptable to God. He's a debtor to do the whole law. He's a debtor to do the whole shooting match. Got to live in it. I mean, beloved, if you're not fully resting, if we add anything to our Lord and we're not fully resting and trusted in Him, it's adding our righteousness to His righteousness. And what contempt for the Lord of glory. What awful contempt that you think that His righteousness would need some act of ours to be added to it to make it acceptable. That you know, what we take there's his blood, and there's his righteousness. We throw in our faith. You see, her in a bucket, we throw in our faith. We throw in our walking down the aisle. We throw in our repentance. We put in a few tears. We put in some obedience. We put in some tithe paying. We put in our church membership. We turn in our trip to the, to the baptismal pool, and we mix all that up. And, it's, and his blood and righteousness is not effectual until we put our little bit in it. No. <laughs> No, his blood and righteousness is effectual for all whom he died for. And our faith don't add anything to it. And our repentance and righteousness don't add anything to it. It stands all alone on its own merit. Huh? Oh, yeah. And God's only pleased with him what he done. And look what it says in verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. We got lots of Fweeb churches down home. You know what a Fweeb church is? That's free will Baptist. (laughs) It says FWB, and I call them Fweeb. (laughs) We got lots of them. And they teach and preach that you can fall from grace. They say you can be saved and be lost again. They call that falling from grace. But when the apostle's talking about falling from grace, he's talking about something altogether different. How in the world can a person fall from grace When you fall from grace That mean that you That you quit Quit God You quit the gospel You go out and get drunk or whatever Does that mean you fell from grace Did David fall from grace When he had Bathsheba in his bed Did Noah fall from grace When he lay in his tent naked and drunk Huh Were they falling from grace Either, beloved, they were justified as much as he is in bed with Bathsheba as he was when he was dancing for the ark. And Noah was as justified before God as he lay there naked when he is 700 years old and drunk as a skunk as he was when he built the ark. Or else justification is not by grace through faith in Christ alone. And if we ever try to be justified by anything then the blood and righteousness of Christ through faith in him by the grace of God that's fallen from grace. If you say that David was any less accepted in any given situation that he is ever in, then that's fallen from grace. That's fallen from grace. When you add anything to or take anything away, that's fallen from grace. And we fall from grace by seeking to be justified of the law. And it says here that Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Oh, you better live it now. You better live it. That's what people say. Better make your peace with God and you better live it. You better turn over a new leaf. You better get in church. You better make a change. Got to do something. Had a man come, wanted to join our church several times, wanted me to baptize him, and I just refused to do it. And he finally got upset with me, extremely mad. His wife did. And i tell you why I didn't. And I told him why I didn't. Every time he come to talk to me about it, he's telling me what he done instead of what Christ done for him. He was talking about his praying. He was talking about his studying. He was talking about his works. And I told him, I said, baptism's not going to change your standing with God Almighty. Not going to change your acceptance. And he said, oh, yes, it will. And I said, no, it won't. And right then I knew. And I said, I'm not going to baptize you. I'm not going to take you. Because he, beloved, was going to be justified by something he'd done. And when you do that, Christ is no effect to you. What in the world does that mean? To Christ to be no effect? That means that his righteousness, that he worked out and puts on sinner's account, is not, not effectual to you. You're left standing in your own righteousness. His obedience that he rendered under God Almighty is not effectual to you. His blood is not effectual to you. His death is not effectual to you. His resurrection is not effectual to you. His intercession at the right hand of God, it has no effect upon you. Huh? Wouldn't that be an awful state to be in? That's what it is to fall from grace. is just step out from under the umbrella of the blood and righteousness of Christ. And it all that it done is not effectual towards you, or towards God, or towards the law, towards your conscience, towards your sins being put away. It's no effect, and that's why workmongers, law keepers, they're never satisfied, never satisfied. They always got to have more, always got to do something more, always got to find something else to do. And and what they do is never enough or never good enough. And when you find people like that, they're so mean and they're so miserable. And misery loves company. They want everybody else to be like them. And they're unyielding. They're uncompromising. They're unforgiving. They're hard. And they're austere. They don't never smile. Never laugh. Because they're rigid. And God didn't make us to be. He set us free in Christ. And when I learned that. I've been the happiest fellow. I've been as happy as a hog in mud. Huh? Huh? I'll tell you, when God set me free from all of that rigmarole, i tell you, I, you'd almost act like I had good sense sometimes. I'm telling you, it's amazing. And those who cry up good works, and I've seen this time again, it's been brought into our church and I had to take a stand against it. Those who cry up good works, the most are the ones who have the least. Ones that have the least. Like David said on the way over here, you know, and they, they say, Oh, well, if I believe if, if people hear that, they'll go out and do something. You know, it's always somebody else that's going to do something. They're never going to do anything. They're too good. They're not going to sin, huh? But they don't have any good works. Oh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had the letter. But, oh, how hard were their hearts. How they despised and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus was crying up good works. He said he had a righteousness after the law that was blameless. And at the same time, while he's crying up good works, he's killing God's people. Now you reconcile that to good works if you can. He was a good, strong moralist, law keeper. And killing men and women. If we seek to be justified before God by our own righteousness or obedience to certain laws, we've turned away from the gospel of grace and righteousness in Christ. And grace and works don't mix as our acceptance before God. If it's of grace, it's not of works, or else grace ain't grace anymore. And if it's of works, it's not of grace, or else works wouldn't be work anymore. They don't mix. They do not mix. And our Lord will not share his glory he's gonna be the absolute Savior do all the Savior saving, and take all the glory for it we're not gonna be saved and then in verse 5 for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith we through the Spirit by the Holy Spirit's regenerating power by the revelation of the Holy Spirit and by the help and comfort and aid of the Holy Spirit By not trusting our works or obedience to the law, by this Holy Spirit, we anticipate, we wait for the fulfillment of our blessed hope of eternal glory. You see, beloved, our standing before God and our righteousness in Christ, it promises us a hope after this world, a good hope through grace. And our hope before God and men through the Spirit of God and our hope of righteousness is in Christ alone. huh? He said in verse 6, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Amen. Now, here's a, this, is a, this is a quinky dinky to me. I, I, this, is, this really, this kind of, this kind of puts, puts, us, puts us in a place. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision, that don't avail you nothing. We all sit here and we amen that. Any laws, any rules, any, any works, that don't avail us nothing. Oh, amen, I don't have no laws. Bro. I'm not under the law. I'm not going to be under the law. Amen. Bless God, I like that. But watch this. Or uncircumcision don't either. I'm not going to go back. I don't have any laws. I don't have any codes. I'm footloose and fancy free. I don't have, I'm free to do anything I want to do. I can use my liberty to do anything. I don't have to worry about anybody's feelings. I don't have to worry about the glory of Christ. I don't have to worry about the honor of the church. I'm free. I'm uncircumcised. (laughs) Glory in not having no law. Glory in not having no rules, codes, and no works. Either one of them don't avail us anything. Don't avail us nothing. Huh? In Christ. Oh no, no, no. But I tell you what will avail whats What is what it is. But faith. And how does it work? Not by law. I tell you, but love will make you do ten thousand more much more than, than law will ever do it. Amen. Love, love which worketh by faith will cause a, a, a man in our church and him and his wife went their separate ways and he left three little old kids. And three beautiful little kids, twin boy and twin girl, another little girl, just as a doll. And they had to go to law to get him to support his kids. And the law couldn't make him do it. All he had to do was just move. Or give proof that he had no money, no job. And the law couldn't make him do it. But if he had loved his children, there ain't a law in the land that could have kept him from supporting them. You see the difference, and men, if you're under the have to be whipped by the law to do anything, it ain't going to profit us nothing when it's all said and done. But boy, when the love of God comes in a man's heart, oh he's ready he's not to, he's not saying well what what little bit can I do to him? He, he's ready to do any. He rolls up his sleeves, spits on his hands, and says, "For the glory of God, I'm in this thing. His faith works by love, huh." Love to the Lord Jesus. Love to the saints of God. And that's what he said over here, what, in verse 14, 13? Galatians 5, for brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Just because we have freedom to do certain things, does that mean we have to use that freedom? See how far we can take the limits of it? Don't use your liberty for an occasion to give in to the flesh and give in to your old debased nature just because you can do it. Don't use your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness to hurt and offend somebody else. But watch this, but by love serve one another. Everybody knows what it is to serve, don't you? We go in a restaurant and then a waitress comes around and she says, what can I, what can I do for you? What can I get you? She serves us, she waits on us. And the apostle's saying here, by love, wait on one another. See what other people's needs are and other people's feelings are. And you wait on one another. You serve one another. And you do it by love. Oh, no man anything but love. Next time somebody comes up in a conversation, what will you owe them? Something said bad about him, what are you going to say? Oh, nobody nothing but love. And then when you think, well, I don't owe them nothing but love, then you'll say something good about them. You'll pray for them. What, I what, what am I in debt to you I'm in debt to love you huh and then I'm going to quit with this right here quickly in verse 7 you did run well who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth you started out well the apostle says you run well you came to the Lord as a helpless sinner all you needed you found in him you claim to love the gospel of the grace of God, you're zealous for it, you What in the world who did hinder you? Who turned you back to the law? Who turned you to another gospel? Who hath bewitched you, O Galatians? He said. Have you begun in the Spirit? By the Spirit are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? Huh? And then he says in verse eight. I know this much. This persuasion didn't come of him that called you. God didn't turn you back. No, this persuasion is not of God to go back to the law. He calls by grace to grace. He calls from law to Christ. And it wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ because he fulfilled the law in your stead and set you free from it. It's not the Holy Spirit that persuades you. He reveals Christ and the gospel. He takes the things of Christ and shows them unto it. It wasn't an apostle or a true preacher because they alone preached the gospel of the grace of God. I know who it was. It's the devil. It's Satan and his messengers of human righteousness. They're deceitful workers, false false apostles, and it ain't no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. It's no great thing that he transforms his ministers into ministers of righteousness. Whose ends should be according to their works. And your own heart turns you back in your ignorance of God and his righteousness. And then he said in verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. People tell us you don't need to be so dogmatic or get so upset. We still hold to grace. We're, just not embrace, we're not embracing the whole law, just circumcision. We're not embracing the whole law, just a ceremony here. We're not embracing the whole law, just a Sabbath day there. And the apostle says just a little leaven, a little error, a little evil, especially in regard to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, will pervert, will mislead the whole church. And it has to be stamped out immediately. has to be a little leaven leavens the whole life stand fast stand fast I mean don't budge highly esteem maintain and defend the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and he said down in verse 12 I would that they were even cut off which trouble you and all oh, beloved don't let anybody bring you into bondage again stand fast Maintain esteem this liberty that Christ has set us free God bless you
1: Now I want all of our people to remember The ones who are members here You remember that if you haven't tithed today yet You need to do that because our discipline committee meets next Wednesday evening. And so you be real careful now to drop your tithe in before you leave here. Amen? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Tell them do the rest of it though,
1: <laughs> Jack. Yeah. And then do everything else you're supposed to do. How'd you like to live like that? Mm-hmm. Some churches are like that. Yeah. How awful the bondage. I appreciate the message. I am free from the law. I want to please the Lord Jesus, but that can only be done by love. Love for Him, love for one another.